people from work listen, so we're going to have to filter a little bit. <laughs> I press record and I press something else. Okay. Is Ben on here? Not yet. Okay. How's uh how's Saturday been? It's been good. I've not done anything yet, but later I'm going to go to the store and uh, get some stuff for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're pretty sure. I'm pretty sure my family is coming tomorrow. Okay. Because it's been about two weeks, so. Yeah, so you're good. Yeah, and I haven't had symptoms for. I've had a sneeze, but that's not a coronavirus thing. Right. So, we should be good. Okay. Nice. Well, I'm glad that happened when it happened. I guess so. You can still. Yeah. Yeah, just in case. Um, I need to. I also need to clean the house because it's not terrible, but it's not yet to the point that I would want my father to walk into. Yeah. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I I get you. Uh. Because he just would find any little thing to comment mm. on. So I'm like, nope, got to be perfect. Yeah, I don't blame you there. Um, don't want to have that fight on, uh, on Easter. Well, and he means well, it's like, it comes from a very like eight place of, okay. Like let's have relationship through conflict. And so, mm. Hey Bo. I know Bo's very excited by this new setup. We're trying to see if this improves my sound quality at all. Okay. Um, I'm still, I just haven't yet been able to find a headset that I like, have liked and can't afford mm. um, or mic set. So we'll get there eventually, but not yeah. now. Yeah, I'm trying to do like incoming sound through my headphones and then I have a mic that I had bought. So I'm trying to, hopefully that works. It's starting to feel like we're hitting the peak. Um, I think New York hit its peak. Yeah. Yeah, they're kind of coming down. I think they said between, like, I think this week at some point, yeah, they're saying it's going to be, like, our peak, so. Yeah. But so. they uh, they moved our – they're like, oh, we'll start flag football on May 3rd. I was like, no. <laughs> no. But I know people on my team will be like, yes, that's okay. And I'll be like, cool, you can go play, but I will not be there. Like, well, just don't high-five. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily work exactly like that. Well, hello. What what was that for? She's coming in hot. Ben just ripped me off after me saying hello to him in such a nice way. Sorry, I had to. I couldn't resist. I watched uh, yesterday while I was biking, I watched The Road to Perdition. What's that? It's like a... I never even heard of it, but apparently it's like a pretty clitter- critically acclaimed film. It's Tom Hanks, Jude Law, um, oh shit, Daniel Craig, um, and a couple other guys. And it's kind of a dark Tom Hanks movie, but it's pretty good. It's on Netflix. I would recommend if you guys are 
Nice. I've seen Star Studded. Yeah, I've I've seen it on. I haven't watched it, but I've seen that it's on Netflix. Yeah. So it has a heavy. It, I mean, it's heavy the whole way through, but because um, isn't isn't like his wife got killed? Yeah, he's like a gangster in the twenties or. So he's a hitman for like a liquor distributor, uh, for Al Capone, and um, his. Essentially, somehow, I won't ruin it all, but his wife and youngest son get killed, and then him and his oldest son go on, like, a spree to get mm-hmm. revenge. Or he gets revenge, and then the, the son gets lost. Yeah. But, cool. Um, yeah, I think I just kind of wanted to put questions more to the beginning, because I feel like joking around about, like, oh, what, like, item do you wish you had during quarantine? It's kind of heavy after being like, oh, these minorities are continually murdered. But... Cool. All right. Cody, you want to kick us off? Yeah. Uh, this is Quarantine the Podcast. Uh, each week we are inspired by something we find on the internet uh, or something we find that's interesting or weird or funny, uh, and we dive into it. And it kind of takes us all different places. Uh, Jay was in charge of bringing something to the table this week, so I'm going to pass it off to him. Yeah, so... This week, we're talking about uncontacted peoples. Um, But before we dive into what that is, first off, how are you guys doing with this time of isolation? Um, Have you formed any new habits that you would like to continue on when this is over? Or have you had time to reflect on any life changes that you'd want to make? One of the big things that I was thinking about yesterday, uh, which yesterday was Good Friday, so there's lots of time for like prayer and meditation. Um, and I was fasting yesterday and I made it. Uh, and that was really exciting. I was proud of myself. Um, but I was thinking and realizing there's a lot of things that I thought I needed before all this happened. And now that I can't have them, I'm realizing how much I don't need them. Uh, or I'm realizing that... I didn't actually need them as badly as I thought I needed them. Um, And so that's really interesting. Uh, Just like hanging out or like different kinds, like, oh, I need to go get this certain kind of food because it's so good. Um, Some things that are probably too inappropriate to talk about on the podcast. So... Because now I, people from work listen, so we're going to have to filter a little bit. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, I don't have that problem. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, well, I work at a school, so. <laughs> yeah, your, uh, your students will start listening and be like, oh, man, Mr. Wilson. <laughs> right, and I'm about to be an administrator. I have to have a certain... Anyway, anyway. Um, yeah, so I think like there's been some things that I realized like, Oh, I actually didn't really need that. Mm. Uh, there's also been things that I realized I really needed. Like Jay, sorry, but I am so glad I bought a house before <laughs> all this happened. Like that has made this a hundred times better. <laughs> oh, that's fair. That's fair. I wish. Yeah. It does get tight quarters in a one bedroom apartment for sure. <laughs> Hopefully you're saving money compared to a house payment, Jay. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, but Ben, how about you? I, um, when all of this started, it kind of 
for if we go back to like the Enneagram episode that we did, being a, a three, I try to outrun my problems by just busying myself and working and ignoring and distracting and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so I feel like being in this period of isolation has forced me to like, I can't really outrun things because my whole world is within my house at this mm. point, you know, and that's actually as challenging as it's been. It has, um, it's been good because it's given me space to reflect on, uh, my desires for, for my career, for my marriage, for my family, um, to, I don't know, maybe assess where I am, uh, a little bit. And then, you know, with my desires, dream about what, what could change, um, what could be different. Um, not in like, not in the five year future necessarily, but maybe, you know, 10, 15 years from now, what, what could, how could things look different? Um, I've also tried to start writing more poetry, which has been fun. Not that I like write poetry. <laughs> um, and most of the poetry I write is really basic, but, um, I, uh, yeah, I've, I've tried to, as I've tried to process things as different emotions have popped up, I've tried to use that as inspiration to write a poem or two. Mm. Um, so that's been, that's been fun. Uh, we'll see if I'd like to continue. I'd like to continue writing poetry. Mm-hmm. And then find some more time to write write literature because um, I like doing that as well. So that's yeah. What about you, Jay? Yeah, I would say it kind of you know follows the same trend of like in terms of what I need um, and like taking a step back and like what's important. Because um, yeah, I can I can get on the I gotta climb the corporate ladder. I gotta make this much by this age. I gotta do all these things. Um, you know, you see people that you graduate high school with and they're doing this and like, am I keeping up with that? And just really thinking about what is it that I need? What is it that's a want and how do those fit? Um, I think has been, been cool, um, to, to think through, I would say habit, um, been able to, to work out more. And I think you know, a don't have a commute, but even like this week I was working longer hours and I could still work out because it was like, Oh, we don't have to run to do this social obligation or whatever. Um, and so thinking through like what a calendar looks like, um, has been interesting as well. But, um, so obviously like these are things we're learning in the midst of where we're at in life. But if you had to start a new life with nothing, uh, would you rather do it in a jungle or an island and then to throw in our 90s kids nostalgia a re- reoccurring segment that we won't let die um what food or item from your childhood would you like to have if you were off the grid uh, how, how, how big's the island i mean ben you're overthinking it <laughs> yeah. okay fine uh i would go island and i would probably want my kayak with me Ooh. Mm-hmm. I'd say I'd probably say island and I'd probably want um a wiffle ball bat and wiffle ball I love to entertain it. myself with. Yeah. <laughs> I also am gonna go island. We're three for three on that, and I think it'll make a lot of sense that we made probably uh not the correct choice, but we made um one that could work out better for us in the long run. Um, when we talk 
about the groups later on. Um, and I think I'm going to go with boogie board. So we just had the boogie board for the pool or like when we went to Myrtle Beach. But like if I just had my own island, go out, catch some waves. Nice. Uh, but uh, before we had this, you know, decided this would be the topic. Had you guys, did you guys know that there were still uncontacted peoples still out there? Yes, because was it two years ago? There was that guy who tried to go to the one of the islands off of the coast of, I think it was the North Sentinel Island mm-hmm. to visit the Sent- Sentinelese people, and he was killed like once he got off the boat. Yep. And that was that was the first time I'd heard that there were actually like uncontacted peoples. Um, yeah. And then I think today was when I first realized that there are still peoples in like Brazil mm-hmm. in the, near the Amazon that are uncontacted. So I, I feel like I've been kind of behind the ball on that one. I feel like uncontacted people groups is such a wonderfully timely, timely topic, mm-hmm. given that I feel like an uncontacted people group at this point in my social isolation. <laughs> Right. And I mean, so, yeah, there's about 100 communities right now, and they're predominantly indigenous people living without sustained contact to neighboring communities in the world community. Um, So if we didn't have Zoom, basically what we're all doing. Uh, (laughs) But, um, yeah, so they all kind of exist pretty close to the equator uh, for the most part, which makes sense. Um, And you either see them on like islands out, um, you know, off the coast of India, um, like Ben said with the Sentinelese um, people or in the jungle in the Amazon, which I guess makes sense. Yeah, wait, so why why does it make sense that they're around the equator? So I, I think from like a the climate um, factor, uh, like it's not swinging so much. Um, and then... So, like, there's that aspect that would draw people there. And then I think the other aspect is, you know, there's a lot of islands. There's, like, most of our jungles are along there. And it's just, like, these large spaces that aren't developed um, and so could leave space, I guess. Um, Similar to, like, when you think about how much of the ocean hasn't been explored, which I think, you know, conservatively, I think people say, like, 80%. You're like, what do you mean? Like, we drove a boat across it, but, like, we haven't. Like, no one's going to go through with, like, scuba gear and just troll the Pacific. Um, And so there is potential um, to be stuff out there that we don't know about. Um, And, you know, they'll run into contact with with fish out there that they thought were extinct. And I think it's kind of similar to, um, you know, the Amazon. It's this large area. Most tours probably go to the same place. and so if you're just not in that area, area where the, where, you know, people from Brazil are going, then you could be uncontacted. Mm-hmm. But does that. I think it also makes more sense. Or? I think it makes more sense for it to be like to have more uncontacted, uncontacted people groups along the equator than say like the North or the South pole, because you're going to be able to have more vegetation there mm-hmm. as opposed to ice. Um, yeah, exactly. Like, what are you gonna? <laughs> there, there are no people at the north or the south pole. Of course, that makes sense. 
I, near. Okay, not on. <laughs> I'm not saying, like, go to Antarctica and there are people, like, there are mass amounts of people we just haven't found yet in Antarctica. I'm saying, like, you know, as you go further away from the... You asked the question, why is why does it make sense <laughs> for the equator, Cody? <laughs> you make me look like the dummy. <laughs> I I... It was a genuine question. I realized, oh, I don't know why that makes sense. Oh, that's uh, fair. Um, but yeah, I think the vegetation, I think there's more undeveloped land in there. And I think it's a more sustainable lifestyle than, you know, cutting through six feet of ice to find a harp seal or whatever. Uh, yeah. Well, and you all, like, if you have a dense enough forest, then it's going to be hard for people to get to, like, the heart of it, you know? And so yeah. you, the, the forest can also be kind of protective in that sense. Yeah. Um, but so the, the just because they're called uncontacted, it's still, it's about sustained contact, right? So like pretty much all these groups know that there's an outside world beyond their tribe, um, whether it be an airplane's flown over them or, you know, they've had run-ins. Yeah, it's that sustained contact the Sentinelese people that we talked about, it's an island off of India, and they're believed to be the most isolated community in the world, which makes sense, right? Because um, there's a, a physical boundary of an ocean around them. So um, they have been known to use lethal force, been known to kill fishermen. You know, planes and helicopters will fly near and they'll um, shoot stuff at them. So um, they don't want to be in contact. And for the most part, that is driven by by fear. Um, so there's, it's kind of a sad history. There's a great BBC article, um, about, and it's called the sad truth of uncontacted tribes. And a lot of times they focus on the Brazilian groups just because they're less isolated compared to other uncontacted people. Um, and so you've seen just this, this history of, you know, in the sixties and seventies, Brazil kind of viewed the Amazon as this land they could develop. And so started, you know, bulldozing through and sometimes kill those villagers to, to keep making headway that way. Um, cattle ranchers, another big industry um, in South America, they've been known to use gunmen to kill groups because they need their they want their land. Um, and then logging also is a, another big piece in the Amazon, obviously. Has a lot of trees to log. So um, and then. I thought it was interesting. They brought up, talks a lot about, you know, people want to, to provide aid or, you know, missionaries want to go save these people. And um, due to they don't have contacts with outside the world, they don't have vaccinations, um, they can be just wiped out when they have contact with peoples. Um, so even though missionaries may be going in there with the best of intentions, um, it's not working out for them. Uh, and this is kind of highlighted in there's one man and he's called the last of his tribe and they don't know what tribe he is. No one knows his name, what language, but, um, there's an organization it's, I want to say it's FUNAI, but it's F U N A I. And it's a Brazilian group that's in charge of, um, protecting, uh, these people. And they just kind of have surveillance on this man. He's the last person to survive. So, um, yeah, it's kind of this sad history of the life that they're leading. But um, so now that the question is, 
how do we coexist with them? Um, you know, do we reach out or do we just try to protect? Um, and I think, you know, a lot of this we can f- face more towards Brazil because like the island, um, it's a little bit easier, but like Brazil, you can think about like, okay, here's the Amazon. People want more land. You know, the population keeps growing. They're just getting squeezed and squeezed for all resources. So after um, hearing all of these things and whatever reading you've done, do you guys have any thoughts on the coexistence with these uncontacted people groups? I know that's loaded. I know we went through the history, so. I mean, it's a good question for us in America. It's something easy to not think about because I don't, I don't think there are uncontacted people. Well, <laughs> Kentuckians, certain <laughs> Kentuckians are uncontacted, but <laughs> that's, that's its own thing. Um, I mean, next week we're going to do moonshine and bootlegging. It's, uh, it's where my dad's family's from. So I got a little bit of that in me, got a little bit of moonshine in me. Ben, I, you are the least moonshiny person I've ever met. <laughs> do not, no, 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 no. Uh, but at least you're not blue. <laughs> Thanks, Cody. I, we might need to circle back to why Ben is the least moonshiny. I mean, I am, I am curious. I feel like that's a little bit of an insult, not a compliment. You don't necessarily strike me as, like, rough and tumble, so to say. No, I don't. I guess I don't see how many, any less moonshiny than you, though, Cody. I am not saying I'm <laughs> How many moonshiners are running poetry? Uh, speaking of moonshine and stuff, what are you guys drinking today? This is a, uh, I believe, a pale ale from... Black Acre Brewing, which is okay. just down the street from me. As I discovered the other day, it's only about a uh, six-minute bike ride. So yeah, shop local if you're listening. Um, you're down in Irvington in Indianapolis. Hit them up. I but, do want to answer your question, Jay. Yeah, circle back. Um, I, I, th- I am not for trying to take, trying to impose our civilized culture onto the the uncontacted or the isolated people groups Mm -hmm. um yeah so if like if we're reaching if reaching out to contact them means trying to take what we would call a quote-unquote civilized world no i'm not not on board for that so Mm -hmm. i think and, and that's you know me at the start of this conversation i'm happy to have my opinion changed but i would probably right now fall more on i think we ought to protect them and i think we ought to respect them um the issue with like wanting to deforest the amazon right so we are uh by the mass deforestation that we're doing we are affecting the global climate mm-hmm. so i'm already not for deforesting things you know yeah. um so to then deforest and push people out and i mean essentially you're going to you're probably going to extinct that people group. Um, There's really, at this point, no, I wouldn't say there's not a, I'd say there's not a strong chance that you would uh, be able to introduce them into civilization as we know it. So I don't, I don't see how it can be anything but a zero sum game if we try to take civilization to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I would say that I and for protecting them and also like if they've if they've survived this long doing what they're doing 
like, I don't really see, I don't really see what, I mean, if they're truly isolated and they're not going to face the illnesses and the diseases that we face, because those, those illnesses haven't, uh, haven't penetrated their, their community, right? Mm-hmm. So while they're not immune, they don't need to be immune per se. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we protect them? Cause, uh, yeah, they've been able to exist, but like we're seeing, cause they're being displaced so rapidly. Um, there's cases where it's like, they don't even have time to, to have kids. Um, just cause it's like, they're just continually moving. That has um, been a problem for me before. <laughs> we're not going to dive into that one, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> You're becoming an administrator, remember? Right. Pull it together. <laughs> uh, but, like, how can we protect? Because, like, we can be against logging. We can be against, you know, deforestation on any level. But, like, people are going to act in their own self-interest. Um, and even the government will, like, in some way, in some cases, probably allow it um, because it helps them out. So what are, like, the checks and balances that can be in place. Just some some yellow caution tape. Just, just caution tape off. You know, the Amazon. <laughs> one, one square mile in the Amazon for these people groups to live. No, I, that's a that is a good question. That's a good point that you bring up, Jay. Yeah. While you chew on that, Cody, what are your thoughts? I mean, yeah, I think it's noble to be like, oh, we're going to leave them be and not contact them. I think it's like more complicated than that because like you can decide not to contact them, but you know, a lot of shit goes down in the woods. Um, and so like they're like, you might decide like, okay, we're not going to contact them. But then like, what if like a company decides to, or what if, uh, you know, it'll like, drug smugglers decide that they want that land you know what i mean like it just gets mm-hmm. i think it gets more it gets more complicated and then i mean i can't think of an exact situation but like what if you get to the point where you're you're, you're having to decide between something good for your people versus like something good for them and mm-hmm. then you like pick between those two and then you know like plain devil's advocate here uh all the christians who are fed up and ready to like burn this world to the ground it's like they can't do that until what is it like all tongues and tribes and nations hear the gospel so for you to say like oh we're gonna leave them be like you're i think as like a christian there's the question of like well are you going against the bible like you're doing exactly what god told you you're doing you're choosing not to do what god told you to do oh that's a that's a can of worms. Well, I mean, I think that it draws in a lot of your presuppositions about what what the gospel and what the Great Commission are. Like, we, the three of us, have come from an evangelical culture that says that the gospel is going and telling people that they're bad people who are who are sinners. They were such bad sinners that Jesus needed to die for them because God was really pissed off about how sinful we are. Da 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 blah 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 blah. Um, but I don't. I think there's a lot of that that I would disagree with. And I think that if you look at the gospel being that Christ is Lord, if you look at 
the gospel being that Jesus is king and king of not just like he wasn't just the king of Israel, but he was he is the king of the whole cosmos. Then I think going and expanding his kingdom might look different than um, simply telling everybody about telling everybody about Jesus, quote unquote. And I am I am comfortable leaving it up to God how the uncontacted people groups get dealt with in his entire grand scheme for global redemption and global restoration. But I don't think that my role in that would necessarily be to try to make contact with them and create more harm than good by, you know, bringing all the diseases and illnesses that I am immune to that they're not going to be, nor like, if they don't want to be contacted, they don't want to be contacted. So let's just be kind of pragmatic about this. If you're going to force contact, you're going to have to do it like um, you're going to have to force contact violently or you're going to have to pray for a miracle, which I'm happy to pray for a miracle. Right. But um, I don't I, I wouldn't see that being the first step. And I also wouldn't see that being necessarily the end game that we're trying to play. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I mean, I would question, like, what do you mean when you say the gospel is not about understanding your sin and redemption? It's about knowing Jesus is Lord, and that changes how you tell people about Jesus. Like, what the hell did that mean? Well, there's a whole story that has to be told with it, right? If the, like, if, if, if the gospel is simply telling people you're, um, you're really, really sinful and God was really, really mad at you, you're leaving out the whole Old Testament story that's being told, out of which Jesus comes from. Right. The whole story about um, Christ dying when he died and dying the death that he died and having king of the Jews inscribed over his over him while he was on the cross um, has themes of God's desire for a redeemed world from the sinfulness that has occurred, that he he chose a people group, the Israelites, to be his representative rulers, to establish his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven um and that there was rebellion even with within the israelites and when christ came he came to um end the exile that had arisen that the israelites were facing as a result of the sinfulness and the idol worship that had been occurring amongst them but also amongst the whole the whole world you are (laughs) not tracking with anything that i'm saying cody I, what you're describing is like the what you're like, but you're not descri- but you're not differentiating the how. Like to me, it's like okay, cool. So what you say is different, but the idea of like you're supposed to go out and tell everybody about Jesus, including people, especially people of uh, like a tribe or a tongue or a nation who have not heard about him, like that mm. doesn't the change by what you just said yeah no that's a good that's a good point but i think that we are i i feel like we're hyper focusing on the well i don't know i'll think more about it tune in next week for theology no it's your it's your turn to lead cody it is my turn to lead but we're not there yet no but it is there's a lot of illegal activity and you know there's land in there that's being used for oil um, drilling and there's just a lot happening in that jungle that you're just kind of like hey here's the zone that's yours to operate in um and so then within that zone there's a lot of leeway 
Um, and these and these tribes are kind of getting bounced and pushed around through that. Um, this, this sort of reminds me of like that problem that's presented a lot in like Marvel comics, where it's like uh, you have this team of heroes that has to just basically like they've chosen to intervene in a situation because they have the power to do so and like the the intent is like oh we're going to help people or save people and then every so often right in like the movies or the comics that that sort of presupposition that if you have the power to intervene should you Mm -hmm. um sort of rises up and there's that um that sort of tension between like do we do it do we not if we do like what like are we responsible for the negative side effects are the negative impacts worth it compared to like the positive impacts like yeah. I mean, captain america civil war was all about this i mean there was other things going on but this was like a huge theme within captain america civil war right no uh, yeah and i think like you can apply that to so many problems with man right because we've developed to this point where we can dominate and shape our world in ways like never before and then there's the question of should we where's the limit at who sets that limit and then um like that banner back and forth you know climate change um like land develop yeah like everything it just dives into well we're the stewards of this earth and we can do what we want but why? Yeah, it, it gets heavy. Uh. We're the stewards, but we're also, we were created to be held responsible to God because God is the creator, right? Yeah. And so, like, we have to, we have to do something about right. the, un, the uncontacted people groups and the question that we're having, mm-hmm. what, what is the wise thing to do? You mm-hmm. know, like, what is the thing that, uh, yeah, that is going to lead to the most life for the most people um as opposed to like i would just be really afraid to try to force contact with them and take smallpox to them because mm-hmm. that's i mean not not that i say that because that's ever happened in human history <laughs> no no people have ever done that before yeah they right? use blankets right Is that <laughs> yeah they're probably cold you know, probably not well, not well clothed. Gets cold in the nighttime. You take blankets to them. So, but I feel like that's like a risk. But there's like the world's filled of different people, groups coming together, meeting for the first time, beginning trade, mm-hmm. and they didn't kill each other off. Yeah, like there not are entirely. like right. There's like the really obvious stories of the Native Americans. There are some examples, right, of people trying to contact villages or whatever and then accidentally spreading a disease. But then there's also lots of stories where that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wonder if, like, what... What if they have a disease that's going to kill us? Like coronavirus. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I wonder, you know, what is the, because I'm sure like disease goes back and forth, right? Like it would go both ways. There is that risk that they have something that we don't, like Cody was saying. Um, what is like the the size of the group needed to like decrease the threat of a disease wiping out an entire group of people? Does that make sense? Like how many people? I don't like, know. If your recovery rate is 
15%. How big does your group have to be to live on after the other 85% are out? Right. That's why I don't <laughs> want to go. Let's go, go 350. <laughs> what? What's 15% of 350? Uh, just around like 50? Yeah. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that is like basic Darwinian evolution is that you either Jay, I know with work you talk about like up and out up or out and that's kind mm-hmm. of um it's adapter adapter die off yeah from a very a very bleak standpoint um but the question that the coronavirus has, has posed to us is the same question right like we've seen with the spanish flu that happened 100 years ago that um, the flu is not as deadly because there has been an increased resistance that we have evolved to mm-hmm. over time. And we can probably predict that coronavirus is going to be similar. Um, so from an, from a, um, not from a public health standpoint, but from a, like, from a scientific standpoint, this is just nature doing what nature does. Um, why is it that we are taking the uh, taking the considerations that we're taking you know mm-hmm. i can i can totally make that argument if i want to because natural selection says you're just gonna you just need to expose the whole group to it the ones who are fit are going to survive the ones who are not fit are not going to survive and you're going to continue on right but i'm not going to make that argument right <laughs> you know because you can only make that argument if you don't consider the fact that lots and lots of people are going to die. And that's a tragedy, you yeah. know, you reduce people to numbers. Right. And so, um, so is, if that, I mean, that risk, the risk stands if we were to reach out to these, to these uncontacted people groups. Um, yeah, they could give, they could give us a disease, but with our scientific understanding we can quarantine better. Hopefully if you do it in a controlled way, it's not going to be coronavirus 2.0, you know, hopefully Mm -hmm. you actually would take it seriously and stop the spread. (laughs) Um, I would also wager that the likelihood that they have an illness that we're, that we've not been exposed to is far lower. Yeah. Um, than vice versa. So. Yeah. No, I, I think like it's the difficult questions and kind of can pivot into, you know, what can we take from this conversation and apply it to our world right now? Um, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, and there are there are pockets of people that are more isolated than others. You know, one, one group of people that kept coming to mind when I was thinking about this was just, like, nursing homes. And... Um, like obviously they need contact, they want the loved ones, but then they're more susceptible to contracting COVID-19 and it being more deadly for them. So like when you think about groups like that or you think about how our world's going to start back up, there'll be more cases, obviously, as more people are out and about and contacting each other. But where, where, does, the, where does the line get drawn? in terms of we have to continue on, can the world just operate like this from now on? You know, what 
where you guys stand on that. You're saying like when things start to go back to normal, like coronavirus is still going to exist and there's still going to be people who are like much more susceptible to getting Mm -hmm. and like they're still going to be at a higher risk. Yeah. And we've seen, um, you know, like when China's tried opening back up, South Korea, Japan, um, there's another huge uptake um, in cases and then they ended up trying to step back from restarting the clock and that caused a lot of damage too um where do you think the line gets drawn on how we get started back up i know we're going really light today guys on the (laughs) yeah i mean it's this it's back to the same question of how do you like how do you view the people who are going to be affected do you view them as a number or do you view them as a person yeah um but i also think like a lot of like what we're doing with the isolation isn't necessarily about like oh if these people get it they're definitely going to die like obviously they're at a higher risk for dealing with it more but some of that's also just related to like we're isolating because if it gets too out of control we don't have the resources to take care of everyone who's sick yeah and so there's also just like a level of like when the cases become low whenever that happens then it's just like why would we act any different than any other disease that acts like actually been like a really interesting thing in the gay community that's like i think made a lot of people think so coronavirus hits everybody's like stay away like delete grinder like that kind of shit and people are like yeah but like what about aids or like what about syphilis like y'all were doing the deed before coronavirus and you guys didn't give a fuck yeah uh and like those are both like very like horrible things they get um uh and and like that's to say that like i mean i don't i don't know if like i think like yeah i I think it would get to a point where it's like becomes somewhat laissez-faire i think too since you've already had an exposure for most of society probably if you if you can assume that most of society's already been exposed um before you open back up then you will theoretically have hit the worst of your caseload yeah um and that would you wouldn't have to worry as much about your resources you know because like how many how many cases does the u.s have are we over five hundred thousand? let me look i I think we were at 1.5 million like for the world yesterday okay for the world sorry yeah yeah um Because that's also, like, another interesting concept is just to think about, like, how many people probably have been exposed to it already. Yeah. Yeah, we're at 500,000. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. One... Real quick. What's up? So we jumped up real quick. I remember when we hit 100. Didn't we just hit 100,000, like, yeah. a year ago? Yeah, so there's, like, the double-edged sword, right, of it's spreading. And then there's... We have more testing, so that more people can get tested for it. Um, Plus, so that's going to spread logarithmically. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's also this concept. So, if 500,000 people 
have confirmed cases of it. And then we're only able to test the population that is particularly sick, which based off of like some scientific data suggests that that's only when you take the whole population, the only people who are sick enough to get tested theoretically is about what, like 17% of people with the disease. So 500,000 is theoretically only 17% of the people who have the disease. Yeah. But then you consider that you don't, most people don't get symptoms for a week or two. So then you have to say, well, in this point in time, then there's got to be a certain population that has it, but has not gotten to a symptom phase or a non-symptom mm-hmm. phase. So then, and what, the spread number is like 10 per day. So when you have it, like the average number of people you give it to is 10 per day. If like during normal, if you're not doing social isolation. So like you multiply all those numbers and do all that math. Uh, the idea is probably more like millions and millions of people in the U.S. already have had or have coronavirus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially New York. They are getting bent over. Yeah. New York's, that's, that's been crazy. But, yeah, I think, you know, for the argument of, you know, the isolation and being afraid someone i saw posted it was like you know mcdonald's makes however many million cheeseburgers a year but if you went and asked for fifty thousand, like you'd over at one store you'd overwhelm them and so it's the thought of like one hospital um mm-hmm. you know they may see millions of people over the year but it's spread out so mm-hmm. uh, that was kind of a fun little analogy but so when we do the world starts spinning again. Um, how do you think the rollout goes? Like what, what activities do we deem get to go first? Cause I don't think it's going to be like Friday night. Hey, the world's back on. Everything's opening. Sports games start on Saturday. Like let's get going. But I think concerts are going to be the first thing to open back up for oh. sure. L- large bodies people. Yeah. Real, real bangers, man. I wonder if it'll depend on who's president come. Well, I mean, there's still only one president come November, but um, I think like the election will probably tell a lot about how it all goes down. So, do you think do you think this will go till till November, Cody? Uh, well, and like I think we'll still have to be responding to it in some way. Yeah. Uh, till November and not just like president but also Congress because um, yeah. both houses have the opportunity to flip uh, so I think there's a lot up in the air there I would hope that we're like able to root- get back to some level of routine by summer um, for one I don't want to have to start a school year e-learning that would be miserable yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I would hope that it's summer and maybe it'll look like sort of a slow rollout of like how things shut down. So first it's like, OK, you don't have to socially isolate, but um, social distancing is still a thing. Uh, 
no groups larger than X, and then that expands to no groups larger than X, and, you know, mm-hmm. opens back up. Yeah, just kind of doing the reverse of how we wound it down. Um, and see, okay, you can get together in groups of 10 or more, you know, of 10 people. I think if you really wanted to be smart about it, though, you need to extend social, the like s- social isolation, what, whatever we're calling this right now. Um, <laughs> this is technically quarantine. We are now officially quarantining. Okay. Okay. I- I'm laughing because Bo just came out of nowhere. <laughs> Bo, Bo came out of his little pillow fort bed and uh, mm. so he's now in my lap. Um, I think that to do to to be wise about it, you have to extend it longer than you think you need to. I agree. Because the way that like uh, you would shut you would kill the virus if you sh- if you literally shut everything down for three weeks to a month. Like if people literally don't leave their homes for three weeks to a month the virus is going to burn itself out and by and large, you're going to be done with it. Um, so I think that since we're not actually going to do that, you have to extend it, you know, another month beyond what you think you need to. Yeah. So if we think that we'll be fine by the start of May, it would probably be smart of us to extend it on to June. That's yeah. my wager. Which uh, I believe if I'm correct in a lot of ways. So I know today is day 30 for me of like things shutting down if you use mm. the infamous thursday so we're about a month in and i know some states like they shut down before indiana did so like they're past a month now and i think some states still haven't like shut down right texas hasn't i don't think yeah <laughs> no i think they have joe's in austin and he i think i think they're pretty shut down at least the major cities are yeah I don't know that Texas has a statewide mandate, though. But, no, yeah, I agree. Like, so, Ben, I was telling Cody, we got an email, and they are like, hey, May 3rd, uh, your flag football league's starting again. And I was like, I'll not be, I will not be there. Like, <laughs> go have fun, kids. So. This um, sounds like a bad idea, if you ask me, but that's fine. Right. But they also didn't shut it down. Like, the state had basically closed the week before and they were like yeah we'll still be good to go and it was like that saint patrick's day weekend they're like yeah we're still doing bar crawls and then that friday night they're like we're not doing this i was like okay <laughs> i really came in under the gun there but uh but i like a lot of my friends were like yeah like this will be fine we're gonna go play because we're like that's whatever so <sighs> yeah, i don't know we are not a a an at-risk people group right and i know? think like one of the failures of the government when this was happening was some of the messaging because I think a lot of the messaging that was getting out was that like oh here's who's like here's who's most at risk for getting it and then getting hurt from it um, and the messaging was not talking about like yeah even if you're not in that group you could still give it to other people uh, or you know, or you could even get it in a very serious case like yeah. Mm-hmm. So the messaging just wasn't very like it was um, it was downplayed uh, for a while. I mean, what like Fox News, like the only reason they're not getting sued for basically lying about the risk of coronavirus is because they're technically not a news organization. Yeah. Yeah. Are they? Fox is technically opinion. 
entertainment. Yeah. So uh, Fox News is technically, according to the FCC, which is Republican controlled, uh, is not a news organization. It is considered news entertainment. So essentially, uh, some of the shows on Comedy Central are also considered news entertainment. Um, ABC, like morning talk shows, like mm-hmm. Regis and Kelly, news entertainment. Interesting. That's bad. E Network, news entertainment. Yeah. So I was going to say Fox News is the same as E Network, right? It, basically. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. But are those those uh, like the senators that did basically insider trading, right? Like they're gonna get it, right? Because I feel are like are they gonna get in trouble for that though? Probably not. Which is some bull crap. But Mm -hmm. a politician not getting in trouble for doing something illegal? Yeah, Ben. Did you know about that? No, I I have no idea. No, I don't. So like. The guys who were saying, like, our market's not going to crash, our market's not going to crash, were pulling their money out. Like, the senators. And then they were like, oh, by the way, we're instituting a stimulus, or like a, you know, shelter in place, you know, idea, stock market crash. And they're like, oh, but I got all my money out. So, gosh. Stay woke, (laughs) but also sleep. That's, it's stuff like that that makes me glad that I don't know enough to do something stupid yeah like and i don't have hardly anything i've got a robin hood account that's the extent of what i've got in the market you know but um i uh yeah i would be so scared to know to have like insider information on my company and uh be like ah, i just feel like i should move you know a little bit of money and then get handcuffs slapped on me for insider trading yeah but you won't and then if you do uh you'll have to pay a fine that is less than the amount of money that you would have lost if you hadn't done what you did so win-win that's good maybe i'll start doing it yay white collar crimes (laughs) and house arrest is very different so but oh bo's being a parrot Mm -hmm. but gentlemen that's what i had today um i know it was kind of a more sullen one. So next time I host, I'll try to give us some uppers. But yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> it um reminds me of, I mean, you guys know that I like reading Russian literature. Like, I mean, so I'm an eventual anarchist, which means that I believe that eventually it'll all burn down anyway. Therefore. It doesn't necessarily require me to grease the wheels and then just wait for it all to burn down. Good stuff. We, uh, we're doing game night tonight. <gasps> I almost forgot about that. Yeah, it'll be fun. That's exciting. Okay, I need to go to the store and start cleaning up. What time is that? Eight. Eight o'clock? Okay. Plenty of time. All right, boys. We'll see you in a little bit. Sounds good. See ya. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Yep, I'm gonna go bake some pies.